Welcome to the Cone Zone. That's my dad, Lowell Cone. I'm Grant Cone. My dad is in the room that I grew up in. I am in the room that I just moved into. Uh, it's in. It's in. It's under construction. You can see the fuse box over my right shoulder. I'm going to work on that. But it's. Yeah, it's got to work on the fuse box. I got to work on the fuse box. Uh, it's not. As, it's not that charming. But I like that. That that room I grew up in. That's a nice room. It's a very nice room. And when I come in here, I can sort of feel you in here. It's very nice, sweetie. Well, it's nice to be doing the show, sweetie. Okay, let's do uh, it. So the Niners finished up OTAs in minicamp. They are on summer break now. There was something that to be gained from this portion of the offseason. Historically, what did you? Th- what do you think the utility of this time is? Yeah, I, I have very strong feelings about it. Obviously, you want to see how various players perform, especially rookies, guys who quote unquote are on the bubble, all that crap. But what OTAs and minicamp are about is the beginning of team building. Football is such a team sport. And you have to have this ethos that we're all in this together. We all are responsible to each other. We all depend on each other. We're a team. And, and OTAs and minicamp is the beginning of building that mindset. Would you agree, Iggy? No question about it. Absolutely. And that's exactly what the 49ers did in this in this minicamp and OTA session. I think what's so interesting about it is that they did it without Jimmy Garoppolo. And that was the whole point, to see wow. if they could possibly build a team without Jimmy Garoppolo being the leader. Because they've never done it. They were terrible before he got here. He came here. They won. They've never been able to win without him. And they're trying to take the leap of faith like we can win without this guy, even though they've never done it. And I think they're a little not scared, but there's some trepidation. And this was like the dry run. Can Trey be the leader? Will the team rally around him? Is he good enough? Will will he impress the coaches, the media, everyone? And like so far, the answer was yes, 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 yes. But it's like, it's still only June. But it seems like if if they were trying to base a decision on how this dry dry run went, it went as well as possible. I understand. And what you're saying is, aside from the normal team building it's team building about around a new young man right and this specifically were the first steps and they all seem to have been successful yeah it's like it's not just go out and play well with the first team offense which he did but it's be the face of the franchise do do interview twice a week uh be engaging with the press be the leader speak for more than just yourself and he did all of that gladly it was funny as last year he barely talk. I was worried that he was going to be terribly difficult with the press, but clearly his mindset was, I'm not the leader of this team. It's not my team. I can't just stand up here and, and philosophize about the team when I'm not even playing. So I think he made a decision like, I'm just going to be a, a, a regular guy and, and say nothing. Now he talks at length. He ha- he smiles. He laughs. He has a whole personality. And I think he's, his attitude is, it's my team now. Well, I, I held back for a year. That was enough. Now I can, now I can, Jimmy's not here. He doesn't want to be. He's not like he showed up here to watch. I'm the leader of this team, and I'm going to prove it. I feel like it's kind of what Steve Young would have done if Joe Montana had been away for for an OTA. It's like, all right, I got the opening. Doors open. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk through. Absolutely, Steve would have done that. So you admire what Trey is doing. I absolutely admire what Trey is doing. I mean, it's not as hard as what Steve had to do. He's not replacing exactly Joe Montana, but for whatever reason, this locker room looks at Jimmy as like a friend for life, and it, it's a it's it's a big task to replace him. And it's kind of, I think Steve could relate to it. And I've, what I've heard, they've been talking to each other all offseason. Isn't it kind of nice how Steve has taken Trey under his wing to use a terrible cliche? 
you know, um, you you know that what I feel about Steve that I you never really know these people because you don't go to their house, they don't go to yours. But to the extent that I can know an athlete, I would say he's above reproach. He's yeah. he's really really a great guy. Yeah, everything I know about him, he's a you know, wonderful. I want to say it. He's a wonderful human being, Steve. Absolutely. Yeah, and I just think it's interesting that Joe Montana is the greatest player in franchise history, greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, Steve's the one who is like the godfather of the current players. You know, Joe is doing his own thing, which is fine. But Steve's the one who feels like, no, this is my franchise. I need to talk to Trey, who's 22 years old. It's amazing to me. Yes, absolutely. I want to say another thing about team building. Um, I I think, Kyle, I'm talking about the coach, Shanahan. Mm -hmm. I think he's a very good coach. I have my reservations in certain areas. I think in the crisis moment, he's not necessarily a good play caller and he may blow it. Um, I think as a representative of the team dealing with the media, he doesn't have the presence of uh, Harbaugh, Mariucci, Seifert, Bill Walsh. But I'm going to say something. His teams play their asses off for him. I admire that so much about Shanahan. Again, I don't know him. I've never met him. The, I have things I'd like to know more, like I just mentioned. But even when the Niners aren't good, they really play hard. Mm -hmm. You cannot say that about every team, every no. organization. So I, uh, in terms of team building, I think he's very good at making a team. Yes, on the other hand, in terms of team building, Kyle often is is uh, stingy with praise to the quarterback in general, in, in particular. And when bad things happen during the season, it sort of seems like in the press that Kyle kind of puts the quarterback under the bus, um, which isn't great for team building. And I thought what was interesting was all the – you ask Kyle about Trey, and he would say certain nice things, but he wouldn't go overboard. You'd ask D'Amico Ryans about Trey, the guy who's defending him, and he would say – we're really proud of what he's doing. He's really putting himself in position to have a terrific year. Like that's the kind of leadership and team building that you need. And it's always coming from the defensive coordinator on this team. Why do you think Kyle is not as enthusiastic as D'Amico? It's Kyle's nature. I don't, I think he probably was the same way when he coached Matt Ryan. I think he's just a little negative and he it may not be negative. A perfectionist. Still a perfectionist. Yeah. A perfectionist. And he's focused on, how you can get to being perfect as opposed to a defeat, a defensive coordinator who's thinking more about, I got to pump this guy's ego up. Yeah. For what it's worth, Bill Walsh was a perfectionist also. And he rarely, I'm telling you, he rarely praised. And I, I do want to, uh, I think I might've told this one time when in 1992, when I was with the team and writing a book and I obviously am a Stanford graduate. So um, Stanford, the university asked me to do a video um, about, I think, the English department in Stanford Athletics. And um, Bill called all his, when the video was ready, he called all his coaches together in the um, coaches' meeting room. And they brought in a projector and they showed my video praising them and praising Stanford, which I love. And when it was over, he put on the lights and we just moved on. He never said a word to me. Wow. So I experienced yeah. it. You yeah. know, even if I sucked, yeah. and I don't think I did, but even if I sucked, say, thanks, Lowell. Thank you so yeah. much for taking the time. I didn't get paid for it. You know what I mean? Right. Just turned on the lights and moved on. So I had the, I understood the feeling. That was his style of teaching, 
Well, and that's it all. Little, it was a little deflating. Yeah, I could see it. All right, let's answer some questions. Kev F says, why did Kyle go for it so much on fourth down with Trey? Does that show Kyle's ultimate confidence in Trey? And will we see a lot more of that this year? He did. I don't know. I felt like Kyle was sort of figuring out how he wanted to call plays with Trey. Maybe that was sort of it. It was a diagnostic. It wasn't that successful, if I remember correctly. Max Power says, Lola's such a loving dad. Grant is so lucky. Agree. Thanks, Max. I love my son. In fact, we're having dinner together tonight. I already have some nice wine picked out. I'm going to their new house for dinner, and we're going to watch the Warriors game together. That's right. 49ers daddy says, since Trey Lance completed two deep ball passes back-to-back, can we retire one play Trey and prompt him to at least two play Trey? Sure. Some guy on television called him one play Trey. He said, that's why they call him one play Trey. Who calls him one play Trey? Anyway. Maybe Pat McAfee. Maybe Pat McAfee. So uh, there was a lot of team building at this Ote and minicamp. There was no George Kittle practicing, though. Which I, is well, hold on. Before we get to Kittle, because I got a yeah. lot to say about Kittle. The one other thing that we should note, and I don't know what it amounts to. They could have had a third day of practice, and they called it off. And they traditionally do call it off. You pointed out in the video earlier this week, Harbaugh did as well. So what Kyle did is nothing out of the ordinary. And I'm sure part of it is he wants the players to rally around him. We work hard. We do our work. He rewards us. I got it. I got it. So, but I, I do want to point out Iggy, I'm not incorrect compared to when I would cover the team in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. They have less time with players now than they used to. Yeah. No more Uh, double days. That's over. I'm sorry. No more two-a-day practices. Yeah, right, and there used to be two-a-days. So you could make a case. They really need that third day because they don't have – they, meaning coaches, don't have that much access to players. I'm not criticizing Kyle, but I would like to know – again, I don't go to the press conferences. Why – what is the benefit – of not having the third day as opposed to the advantage of not having it. And I think that's a question. They also canceled the third week of OTAs. You're supposed to have three weeks of OTAs and minicamp. They canceled the third week and moved up minicamp. And I think my best guess is what what they're doing is uh, you're at a deficit anyway with the new rules. You don't have enough time anyway with the new rules. And what they try to do is condense all this work into 90 minutes and people get hurt. So I think what they're trying to do is just minimize injuries. You know, okay. healthy team will win. Even it, the product in the NFL is so degraded these days because there's no practice time. So it's like, oh well, let's let's just be healthy and see what happens. You know, you raise a good point, and then we can yeah. move on to Kittle. Um, the the NFL is a, a really exciting league. It's mm-hmm. it, it's the only sport really that I'm that into anymore. Um, and yet. I do agree. It's degraded. It's yeah. not what it used to be. It's it's like an old man saying that. But you agree as well, right? I mean, the first month of the season is tough to watch because none of the teams are ready. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of mistakes. I mean, there's a lot of sacks. There's a lot of turnovers. There's a lot of it's 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 like the season starts in mid October. That's when the teams are finally ready to go. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Okay, yeah. Kittle. Okay, kid. Let's talk about George Kittle. So team building. He's a leader. He's there. Most of the time, but he never practiced from what I saw. He didn't do go through drills. The Niners are being very cautious with, with George Kittle. Um, and they're being cautious with other people too. Uh, Trent Williams, Fred Warner. 
But Kittle always was the guy who practiced all the time and was the guy who sort of led by example, was the energy guy. He didn't do this last He was out there last year. And this is a whole new approach to George Kittle. And I think it's very interesting because all offseason we've been talking about how he's starting to pick up injuries. Okay. How old is he? 28, going on 29. 28 and a half. 28 and a half. Okay. Here's what I want to say. Given that he's beginning to get injured, i.e. breaking down a little bit, fair enough? Right. Yes. I think Kyle is absolutely correct to spare him and not to make him work in these drills. Having said that, it's troubling. I, I, if I were the coach, I would do exactly the same thing, but I would be troubled that I had to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's something you want to do for your 35 year old left tackle. He doesn't need to practice. He's the best player in the league and he's in his thirties. Uh, 28 year old tight end. I mean, they didn't do that for him last year. This is a whole new, and I guess, you know, if his injuries are coming when he's running, maybe you want him to do less running in the off season, make sure he doesn't get hurt running in July. I mean, June, I would do the same thing too, but again, this is, why I was in favor of trading him this offseason. Do you really want to make these accommodations for your very, you know, MVP, $16 million a year tight end? No, no. I'd rather have someone young that can practice. Iggy, on this, I agree with you. Yeah. I would, I would trade him, would have traded him. And again, sometimes I try to channel Bill Walsh. I don't know if I can. I mean, what the hell? I can't even channel my wife. But um, I think Bill would have gotten rid of him. I know how Bill thought. And I think once a player started to break down, Bill would say, I can get uh, draft capital for this guy. I can find someone else to do what he does or two people yeah. to one to block, one to catch passes. Right. Uh, I don't want someone I can't be uh, fully dependent on. Um, so uh, I understand they're, they're resting uh, Fred Warner. I understand they're resting Trent Williams and Bosa pretty much as well. Yeah. Although he does things, Bosa. He does right? things. Yes, he does things. Yeah. Yes. But but Kittle is sort of a spectator. He, yeah. He's a passenger on the bus. Yeah. And, and I, I I find it a correct strategy, but an uh, a a one that would, if I were a coach, would make me very uncomfortable. It's usually how you treat players in their thirties, like Alex yeah. Mack. You're 37, man. Thanks for being here. We don't need you. You're trying to preserve 28-year-old George Kittle. That's what you're doing. You're trying to preserve him. You're at the yeah, preservation yeah. part of his career. Well, I'd rather just I'd rather just trade him for what cuz his his trade value theoretically if he's slowly declining is only going to go down. So I'd rather trade him while his value is high rather than wait a year after he gets hurt again theoretically maybe has 800 yards instead of nine. I mean, I'm just saying, but Matt, hold on. Let's try to be positive here. Maybe this is the adjustment that George Kittle needs to have one more elite season before he hits his 30s. Fair maybe enough. maybe this is actually what he needs. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and again, I think Kyle is shrewd. Right. Uh, I think in terms of football, he strikes me as, as high IQ. Yes. And, and maybe this is his way to get Kittle, uh, to get them to a Super Bowl and for Kittle to be one of the key factors to get them to a Super Bowl. And if that's the case, I would say Mazel Tov. I would. But I want to say one other thing about Kittle. And again, you got to remember, Iggy, I don't know these people anymore. I've never met Kittle. When I first was exposed to him on television and and various interviews, he struck me as a really happy-go-lucky guy. I just loved to be in the league. And what was he, a fifth-round draft choice? Yes, yes. And uh, this is the greatest, et cetera, et cetera. Um, um, In addition, 
he became the go-to guy in interviews. Yes. Um, like often it's the quarterback, right. Steve Young, who would be the go-to guy. Um, Vernon, Davis, Vernon Davis was the go-to guy, right? He, he was quite uh, talkative, mm -hmm. uh, bright, um, and honest, mm -hmm. a very honest guy, Vernon Davis. Um, I think that with Kittle, as he's beginning to decline, he is no longer the go-to guy. No, He's not on the field enough. He's not productive enough. And I would also say, I'm not even sure about the happy-go-lucky thing. That may yeah. have been a persona. Yeah. He strikes me actually as a much, maybe there are other parts of his personality, maybe, that are different and maybe even a little darker. I would think so. It's how he markets himself. I, he, he comes across as like Hulk Hogan, which is fun. It's, it's fun to have a football star kind of play up his personality like a WWF wrestler. But it, I think after being exposed to it for five, six years, it does come across as a character. As a character that he, that he presents. So it's like when you ask him a question at a press conference, it's like it's kind of a performance. You're not really getting a straight answer. He's trying to be funny. It's like, all right, well, I've seen this act for a long time. You know, like I, At this point, if I really want the answer to a question from someone on the offense, I'm talking to Trent Williams. Trent Williams That's is the greatest. Yeah. That's it. So what I think what we're coming to is Kittle was the voice of, of the offense and maybe yeah. of the team for a while. And God love him for it. Yeah. No longer. No. Fred Williams is a better player. Yes. He's more resilient. He's yes. more articulate. He may even be brighter. He's not. And he's more authentic. He's not playing a, a character at all. He's just himself. And he's very comfortable in his skin. And he's 35 years old. Iggy, you admire him, don't you? Extremely. He's, I would call him, he's like super Joe Staley. Everything we liked about Joe Staley, Trent Williams is like that plus. Oh gosh. Yes. That's a great, uh, a great comparison. Yes. And that's nothing against Joe, but Trent is just amazing. He's terrific. We gave him the Gary Niver award last year. He split it with Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy was in a tough situation, but I voted for Trent. I'm just saying. Please remind people what the Gary Niver award is. The Gary Niver award is goes to the player who was the best with the media that year. We vote for it. And Gary Niver was on the beat. It, what in the 80s and 90s he passed away yeah he's for this the Mateo times yes anyway Trent Williams I voted for, it was easy decision Trent Williams it would it's be him the, Jimmy Ward those are the two guys Iggy it's called the Gary Niver good guy award the Gary Niver good guy award for because Gary Niver was the ultimate good guy yes and this is a, an award that Joe Staley's won Alex Smith has won um yeah so Trent Williams won it very interesting. Yes, so, no question. So he's become sort of the voice of the offense. You know, I'm surprised that Juszczyk isn't another one, but he maybe because of the position he plays. He's he actually came. Like, what's nice about Kyle Juszczyk is he'll go to the podium and know he's not going to get very many questions about himself. He'll stand up there and answer, answer questions about everyone, the quarterback, oh. the running back, the defense, and he's happy to do it. And he's really smart. So you got to give him credit for that. Very patient and very smart. And he's going up there to talk about other people most of the time, 85% of the time. And so his ego doesn't get in the way. Exactly. Uh, other players, it would. Like, hey, can you can we talk about me, please? Which is Absolutely. Fair. In Which fact, I think most of them would feel that way. I might feel that way, you know? Absolutely. Iggy, on the defense, is there a spokesperson on the defense? Jimmy Ward. Now, Fred Warner. But again, Fred Warner, is he's like 24, 25. And when he's up there, he's very good. But he also is like, it's almost like listening to a coach talk. You know, it's like saying the right thing all the time. Jimmy Ward's not like that at all. Jimmy Ward curses. Jimmy Ward's candid. Jimmy Ward's funny. Uh, 
Jimmy Ward's like listening to a boxer before a fight. He's great. Jimmy Ward. <laughs> Mayweather Jr. Yeah, or like Draymond. He's just so candid. It's like, can you say that? Athletes don't say that. Thank you, Jimmy. More people should be like, yo, I love Jimmy Ward. He's great. Yeah. He kind of sort of found this side, this side of his personality. I don't know if he didn't find – he just decided to express it recently, last few years, publicly. No one knew how charming, how funny. He has great timing. Oh, great. Yes. Yes, he has phenomenal timing. So I would say the, the, the voices of the team are Trent Williams, Jimmy Ward, Fred Warner, and to a lesser extent, George Kittle. To less and it may be declining. It may be declining. What was really interesting about Trent Williams to come to the voice of the team, he was the one person who really seemed to be like a leader on the Debo thing. Everyone's asking about Debo, and everyone's afraid to talk about it, including Kyle and John Lynch. Trent Williams is like, you know, I'm real close with Debo. He can always call me. Of course, I would never call him and tell him what to do. I respect his business, but he has called me. And he didn't say what he talked about. But then later in the conversation, he's like, well, I think it's really important that Debo's here at minicamp because it shows his maturity. It sounds like he's kind of talked to him like, hey, man, I don't know what you think you're doing, but you're making people think you're not mature. You need to, you need to change the perception of yourself right now because that's going to cost you money. Why do you think no other teams were trying to trade for you during the draft? Come on, man. Because no, no one questions Trent Williams' maturity, right? He's above reproach in every single way. And he knows it. And that's why he's made all this money. And I think he's trying to show Debo, hey, man, you, you want to make money like me? You got to be like me. This is how you do it. Yeah. So he's the wise old head who's in the in the locker room, who's modeling for young people who like Debo. And what's great about him is like he has the maturity of someone in his uh, late 30s, but the athleticism in the game of someone in their late 20s. Love so. It. He has the perspective and he has the game to back it up. You know, sometimes there will be like a coach in the locker room who's not that good anymore. And it's like, listen, dude, it's not your team anymore. Don't tell me what to do because you can't even take care of your own. Worry about your own business at this point in your career. That's not Trent. I think, you know, there's that pro football focus. They grade players. It, it, it's it's an inexact science, but they gave him the highest grade last year they've ever given anyone. <laughs> He's that good. So. You know, it's interesting when you say <laughs> – Take care of your own game. Late in his baseball career, when Joe Morgan, rest in peace, went to the A's, he tried to be a leader. Mm. They had nothing that they would listen to him. Right. You can't produce. They wouldn't listen to him. Just yeah. you you take care of your own game. It's a it, uh professional sports are ruthless. Yeah. We're not the Reds. This isn't 1973. I don't know what you thought this was. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you so would I really have loved Trent Williams. He's I very, would love very, to talk to him, yeah. right? Yes. Very patient, very smart, um, twinkle in his eye, sense of humor, uh, verbal, uh, really good. And let's say one of the reasons he is because he's an offensive lineman. Always. They, Always. Let me say, and you got to know this, they it's the least glamorous position except for kicker, I guess, on, on a team. But they are the ones who understand the game better than everyone who can uh, articulate what's going on. They're the ones you want to know, the offensive linemen. Would you agree, Iggy? Yeah, but it's like they're the biggest players in the field too, and they're like the least aggressive. That's right. A lot of the time. It's weird because it's that sport is full of some really aggressive people, especially the, the smaller ones. Like those DBs are my size, but they're – they will – I mean, they use their body to just destroy you. Ronnie, Ronnie Lott, I mean, these guys are there to uphold order and make sure things don't get too crazy. You know, they're like the bouncers at the club. So they're, it's like, no one can really hurt me. Um, and I can sort of do whatever I want, but 
uh, I'm here to, I mean, they have a very calm, peaceful demeanor and they can sort of, I don't know, tell you what's going on. I mean, you went from DBs to uh, back. I'm to talking about offensive linemen. Sorry. They, they're the biggest ones on the field. They have a calm, peaceful demeanor and it seems like they can sort of articulate what's happening in the big picture. Absolutely. When yeah. I was writing about the Niners, the ones I would always go to first would be the offensive linemen, always. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones that you can imagine going out to dinner with and not talking about them. You wouldn't have to Absolutely. talk about their hamstring, right? right? Or Maybe their contract. No, you might talk about something that's, a, you know, a movie or a show or something or normal. Or a book they're reading. Or a book. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Sanders says, Grant, each time you criticize something in Lance, they worked on it the next day. This is true. Either they are watching you or they are doing a great job developing. I don't know what it was, but I like that I could bring something up and say, Lance is doing good, but he hasn't done this yet. And then either it's a coincidence or the he wants to come back and show, show you the next day. Hey, how about this? What do you think of that? Oh, I can't throw deep. Here's two in your face. I love that. That's the kind of competitor I like. Iggy, here's what I want. I can't prove this. Yeah. I have a feeling yeah. that the Niners have someone dedicated to watching your videos and taking notes. I think the players all watch, including Trey. I mean, a lot of the players have made it pretty clear that they watch. I think they want to know what the criticism is. They want to know what people are pointing to and they want to address it. And with Lance, I made it pretty clear, like, hey, you're, you're playing well today in, in camp, but you're being safe. You haven't hit any deep throws, and you're supposed to be the guy with the arm. You're supposed to be the guy who extends this offense. And the next day, I saw him warming up, playing long toss. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. He owes you a nickel. He owes you a nickel. And then the first series, he doesn't do it. And the second series, boom, boom, back-to-back, touchdowns. It was like, wow, nice. Well done. I appreciated it. It was good. Let's move on to the next topic. Iggy, I got to tell you. My printer isn't working. Really? So I so I had to write stuff out that you oh, well. sent. But you'll come over maybe in the next week and maybe I'll something that's disconnected or maybe you need a new printer. They don't last forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that's he's talking Brooklyn now. Right. They don't last forever, darling. They don't last forever. Okay. <laughs> that's my aunt Sarah. Okay, All let right. me see what we got. It's oh. about me. It's the it's, it's the it's the grant topic. Oh, Grant. I Am love I unprofessional. Okay, that seems to be like the like the the the, um, conventional wisdom is that I am unprofessional. It seems like most people on Twitter would agree that somehow I'm in that building, but the way I do my job just is wrong. Yeah, and in fact, a lot of people uh, on Twitter because I had to tell you I I read every tweet and it it really hurt because it's about my kid nepotism and he's he's a bum and they ought to take away his credential a lot of that may i just say this today is the 10th of june 2022 grant do you have a credential i do he still has a credential um in spite of what everybody thought should happen not only did the niners and the league not revoke grant's credential but the niners are fully as an organization are fully behind him yeah um, as a uh, legitimate, serious, important part of that uh, press corps down there. So let's state that as a fact. Yep. Now, you may think the Niners are wrong. I don't. But that's the fact you have to live with. Now, I want to get – I'm going to take the lead in this, okay, Iglet? Mm-hmm. All right. 
a certain beat writer came out after the big brouhaha a couple of weeks ago with a podcast that lasted over 20 minutes, sort of slamming Grant. You know, okay, what the hell? Uh, it, it was, I, I would think that journalists would defend the journalist. But in this case, this journalist and others actually went after Grant. And so I'd like to say what bothers me about this guy is that he's a beat writer and should know better. But what bothers me more, if he reflects what the rest think, that's sort of scary to me Mm -hmm. because I've been a journalist longer than all of them have. Mm -hmm. And I think I know the business and I would certainly disagree with this guy. And if the others think like him, I would really like to talk to them about it. But I want to make a couple of points. Um, I just want to say that no, no one else said anything publicly. It was just one, which was, so I don't know how they feel. But, but no one defended you. True. Okay. That's true. I would say in the case of this one guy, part, this is just my interpretation. I haven't talked to him, nor, nor do I want to. I'd say part of his problem with Iggy is he's jealous. Um, he works for a paper that really is not all that into the 49ers anymore. And Iggy is there all the time. And Iggy makes a lot of money. Iggy, and he's done it on his own. He didn't do it with me. I didn't know the people at Sports Illustrated. I don't know YouTube from nothing, from a cockroach. Nothing. From nothing. (laughs) From nothing. So I think there's a tremendous amount of jealousy involved. I don't want any answers to questions now. I want to talk. I'm not, doing, I'm not taking it. Okay. I was just putting it on the screen. Okay. Um, and I think uh, this person and other beat writers, if they feel this way, should do some introspection and say, is part of my problem with Iggy that I'm jealous, that he's done this on his own. He doesn't have an editor bossing him around, calling him at dinner time, making his life miserable. Believe me, I had that. Um and I, I'm allowed I, to give my opinion. I don't have to cover teams I don't want to cover. That's also pretty nice. Yeah. You, you know? know, I'll tell a quick story. Mom, when she was alive, God love her, and I worked at the Chronicle, sometimes the, an editor, meaning not the editor, but a, a copy editor is reading your, your column calls and say, look, I have a question here. You know, uh, what do you mean here? And, and these are very important things to do. But they always seem to call at dinner time. And that what would happen is uh, mom sometimes would answer the phone and they wouldn't even say, hello, Dawn, is Lowell there? They'd say, Lowell, just like she'd answer the phone, hello, Lowell. And she'd hold the phone right here and she'd go, Lowell, it's a chronicle, asshole. <laughs> you know that she did that, right? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Chronicle, asshole. And, and then I would do my business and we'd go back to dinner. So yeah. Iggy doesn't have to have those kind of assholes calling him up. And I imagine this other guy does. So I'd say part of it in my interpretation is jealousy. And that's a bad place to be coming from when you're criticizing a peer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but his main criticism is that I don't cover the team correctly. That's what I was coming to. Yeah. Okay. Here you go. Do you want to talk about it? No, please go ahead, Dad. Sorry. Okay. He said he doesn't cover the team. These are paraphrases. I didn't memorize his stuff. He doesn't cover the team correctly because he doesn't cover it the way I do. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. This guy is a beat writer. He very rarely in the newspaper gives his opinion. 
because beat writers write the news. They're different from columnists and opinion people. Ira Miller, who's the best beat writer who ever lived in the NFL, gave, um, gave the news. Once a week, he would have his opinion, a column, and it would be clearly marked opinion. But otherwise, Ira just gave the news, and he had news every day. He was breaking things left and right. Iggy is like me. I was a columnist. My job was to give my opinion. Mm -hmm. Iggy on YouTube, he doesn't write columns, but he gives little columns verbally and visually. So he is an analogy to what I was. Mm -hmm. Now, is this guy in his ignorance saying that columnists don't cover the team right? I had a credential for 40 years for the Niners. I was very often on the outs with that organization. No one ever said Lowell didn't deserve a credential. And I want to tell you other columnists who had credentials and no one ever questioned their being at the facility. Glenn Dickey, Chuck Nevius, Bob Pidecki, Kawakami, Mark Purdy, Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless. Skippy. He, he was there. He was saying stuff. I mean, I, I'm I, Gary Peterson. Um, I may be missing people, but there's a whole going back to Ring Lardner and Red Smith and Jimmy Cannon. What It's a perfectly legitimate and necessary way to cover a team to have people giving their opinion. And if other beat writers don't like the opinion, too bad. You're not there to give an opinion. You're right. there to give the news. And the columnist gives an opinion. And a columnist, every paper and every team needs columnists. In my book, Steve Young wrote the foreword, and he said Lowell was necessary because he kept us honest. He right. kept us hard. He was hard on us, and it was a good thing. Yep. So this guy doesn't understand how journalism works or doesn't want to understand it. And I find that very troubling. And if the other beat writers feel that way, I feel this is an era of journalism ignorance, Iggy. I mean, I don't know about this this beat beat writer, like whether he's allowed to give his opinion or not. Some sometimes your editor will say, look, you haven't, you don't have those kind of chops. Just report the news. We don't, we don't want your opinion. Maybe he's there. I mean, I think a lot of these other beat writers would have the the freedom to give their opinion if they wanted it. I mean, I just feel like ever since I got on the beat, one of the reasons I wanted to be so opinionated is because it would help me sort of be different. I think this reporter wants to be, wants to blend in, which is different. You know, it's, it's, it's not the approach I took, but maybe it works for him. I don't know. I, it just feels like how many mats do you need on the beat? There's already two and they're great. You can't out Matt a mat and your name isn't even Matt. <laughs> Matt, so I don't I want to be Matt, 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 Matt Jr. Matt, Matty the third. Some people do. So yeah, do. Now, I just think it kills me that people think like that's the only way you can cover a team. Like, no, that's one way to cover a team. There's a lot, there's a lot of one way on this beat. That's why I'm doing it a different. I'm doing it your way. And that's why the players are paying more attention to you than they are to the other guys. Yeah, that's why every player on the team knows who I am. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, <laughs> I have more things to say. Sure. This uh, gentleman said in his podcast that. Uh, he implied that Iggy antagonizes the players um, and he gets personal, which I disagree with. I don't think he gets personal at all, but he criticizes players. I criticize, I criticize Joe Montana. Mm -hmm. uh, I criticize players. And he said that, you know, um, he has a good relationship with the players. So I want to let you know, before we did this today, I called Ira Miller. He lives outside of Chicago now. 
again, the greatest beat writer in the NFL ever and my dear friend. Mm-hmm. I told him that Iggy and I were going to do this. And I said, Ira, <laughs> was it important for you to have a good working relationship with the players? And this is Ira's answer. Ah! <laughs> He said, are you kidding? He said, every time I walked into that uh, locker room, there was tension mm-hmm. every time. And he said, I didn't care what they thought of me. I, I cared about doing my job. I didn't care if they thought we had a good relationship. It was the least important thing for him. And I'm going to give you an example of Ira, which I may have told this story, but I love this story. We were in the locker room. They had moved to the new facility and uh, from Redwood City, and now they were down in Santa Clara. And it was lunchtime. And by the way, Iggy, at lunchtime, all the players used to have – Ronnie Lott was – everybody was there. So mm-hmm. we – Ira and I got two chairs, and we were sitting talking to Brent Jones at his locker. Brent Jones had grown up reading us. He went to school in Santa Clara. He's a Bay Area guy. And as you know, Brent, he's a delightful person. So we're just bullshitting, Okay. Jerry Rice comes and stands in front of us and he goes, Ira, I want to talk to you. Really pissed. Ira had such poise. He looks at him and I'll never forget this. He goes in this voice, Jerry, as you can see, I'm talking to Brent now. When I'm done with Brent, I'll talk to you. Jerry Rice, he didn't know what to do with himself, Iggy. He stood there in suspended animation and he just sort of drifted off. He didn't have anything else to say. Ira just handled him. And I could now Ira and he get along now. And as you know, Jerry and I get along now. He's an okay guy. Mm-hmm. But Ira's attitude is who the hell do you think you're talking to? And I don't need to have a good relationship with you, even though you're Jerry Rice. And I love that Ira put it that way. Like it's not important to have a good relationship with the players. Or I mean, if you have I, I have a good relationship with Jimmy Ward, that's great. But it can't be your first priority as a journalist because if it is, there are consequences. What are the consequences of making a good relationship with your players your number one priority? Well, you become the press box tough guy. All the opinions you have in the press box, how how real you keep it, all the truth that you that you spew, you don't you don't write it, right. you don't say it because you're afraid to compromise your relationship with one of the. What what if you said that one player has a messed up knee and he took offense to it? Well, now you don't have a good relay. Maybe all the players are going to have his back. Now maybe the whole locker room doesn't like you because you criticized one player. So you can't do that. So you got a lot of people who are afraid to give any opinions. And all they do is say that the team is good and that whatever the, the, the coach or the player said is the truth. And it's freaking boring. And, the, and again, your number one uh, priority as a journalist should be to your readers, not the people you're covering. The readers want the truth. You can't be giving, you know, watered down product because you're you're most loyal to 53 people in a locker room who don't pay your salary and who don't care about you, who don't care about you. I mean, he acts like he has a good relationship with the players. No one knows who he is. He might have a good relationship with three or four players. They don't know who he is Um, because I'm sorry. Okay, And also, it's not just about injuries. It's also, let's say, Jimmy can't make the throw down the field or he can't throw outside the numbers. Maybe I'm not saying this guy did, but maybe you'd sort of go easy on that because you don't want to hurt his feelings because you want him to talk to you. Or Navarro Bowman is washed up. That's a better example. I wrote that. It was hard to say. A lot of people were like, no, he's looking great out there. What are you talking about? No, he's not. So that's one. How about that? That's the best example that we've given. And the fans want the truth. 
They don't want you to maintain your relationship with the team. They want you to maintain your relationship with them by being truthful. You know, it's interesting about the fans. They want the truth, but they also blame you for telling the truth. That's true. Would but the people that watch our show are, are the good fans. Right. The, the They're the good fans. They're the smart ones. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Hold on. It's not David Lombardi. David is not doing anything like David has never, ever mentioned me publicly. I just want to give him credit for that. It's not he David. Didn't? No. David's above it. I wanted, I was thinking more. I, I, I got my notes here. Yeah. I had to write it because my printer isn't working. Um, I think about how people in the presidential press corps handle the president and, and the flack, whoever it is who, you know, fronts for the president during the week. Um, when Trump was the president, uh, Jim Acosta from CNN was brutal mm -hmm. with Trump and with uh, whoever, you know, uh, Huckabee, uh, his his flack was. And um, I had to be that way. Yeah, I'm sorry. And he was he, he needed to be that way. If, if he didn't Absolutely. do it, we were gonna get someone else he was who would. a very controversial president, in right. many ways, a horrible president. And he was uh, Jim Acosta was correct. Now. It's different. Now there's a Democrat uh, president and Peter Ducey from Fox is doing the same thing that Acosta did. And he's hard on Biden and he's hard on the flack. Right. But the point is, he's no different from from Acosta. And in each case, if you were to say to Acosta or, or Ducey, do you want to have good relationships with the flack or with the president? Th that wouldn't be on their mind. Their mind would be, I want to get the truth. I want yeah. answers to, to serious questions. Right. Now, football isn't like the president, but it's the same analogy. And what you want is, uh, if I'm there, I don't want um, Kyle Shanahan to like me and say, Lowell, let's go out and have hamburgers together. Yeah. I want an answer to my goddamn question because I want to write an article. Nothing makes me respect a so-called journalist less than when I get the feeling he's in the building to be liked by the people he's covering. You like want him that. to be your friend? Are you kidding? First of all, he you're not his friend. And you just gave up the role of being a journalist. I'm with you. You might as well work for the Niners and they don't pay you. I, 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 nothing makes me respect a, a journalist less than when I see he's just trying to be liked. You just want to be liked? Great. Nice. You're just a fan. Sweet. Okay. Let me ask you this because you've tweeted about this. Are you a nice person? Not that nice. No, I mean, I can be. But when I think about it, I have cut out a lot of people from my life. And when it's time to cut someone out, I'm pretty cold about it. And I don't think twice and I don't give second chances. I think I have a tendency to let too many people in and want to like people. I love people. I love characters. I just get a kick out of meeting people. But then I think I give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm always crushed when I'm let down. And then I cut you out. I mean, I have, I want to say, no friends from college. My wife I met in college, but people I lived with, people I knew for years, I don't talk to anymore. It's the way it is. High school. I have a, most of my best, most of my close friends are people I've known since I was 13, 14, 15, 11. People I really knew when we were all kids. Uh, that's how it's always been. And people I've met pretty much from like 19, 20 on, I've been relentlessly disappointed in. And once I feel disappointed, it's over. And I don't really feel like, you know, if you like me, if you don't like me, you bad mouth me behind my back, I don't give a fuck. You're not my friend. And what, what was nice is I feel like this whole thing, this last couple of weeks, really revealed who my friends are, which is important. I moved in this new house. I needed to sort of like 
decide who I'm, you know, in a metaphorical sense, who I'm packing up with me and, and taking here. And it can't be the whole world. And I really surrounded myself with like hundreds of acquaintances the last couple of years because I was riding high. And as soon as, you know, I hit a little adversity, I saw who was had my back and who didn't. I mean, I had people reaching out to me day it happened that I hadn't talked to in years saying, Grant, I just want you to know you're my friend and I, I, I'm, I'm on your side. Like, man, I didn't know, I didn't know it was going to be that serious this week, but thank you for having my back. Your and friend, then I, you I didn't hear from it all that I thought were like, you know, real close friend, friends of mine. Your friend Milt from O'Dowd. No, I haven't seen him in years. You, and you but appreciated it. If it's like, okay, that's what friendship is. It's like, it's easy to, to be someone's friend when they're going good. But when something bad happens, like who's going to step, who's going to step up and be like, Hey man, I'm there for you. Unconditionally. And in, and in fact, Iggy, you've cut some people off from your channel, haven't you? Yeah. We're not going to mention names. No. But, but they yeah. should know that it happened and why. I mean, I just don't respect like people who were rocking with me and working with me for a couple of years, laughing at my jokes, you know, like going along with the way I do my business. And then one player has an issue with my style of journalism and a bunch of people are like, yeah, you know, I don't really agree with the way Grant does his work and he's going to need to adjust the way he does. Like, where, where the hell was that the last two years? So I don't respect that. And to me, that's a deal breaker. I mean, you, you're free. You're free to talk about me, but we're not friends. We're not friends. For what it's worth. Call, so many people called me up that week. Hey, Grant, how you doing, man? I'm like, man, you didn't need to do this, but thank you. And then you had the people that were like, hey, I just want to say, I'm friends with Grant, but I don't I don't approve of what he did. Like, <laughs> you're not my fucking friend. Who the fuck are you? I've met you maybe twice. Listen, you cursing. Sorry. I don't appreciate all these people being like, yeah, yeah, Grant's a good guy. He just needs to do a little self-reflection. Like, yeah, I reflected. You're not my fucking friend anymore. Fuck <laughs> you. I reflected. I mean, the Niners didn't tell me I need to change my style of journalism. My, my employers didn't tell me I need to change my style of journalism. But these so-called friends that I've helped get in the game are like, hey, actually, you know, Grant doesn't do it the right. I don't approve. All right, man, you're on your own. Show me how it's done. You show me how it's done. Let's see. You know, you did give these people a start. I mean, you use the platform I help you build to say that you don't approve of me. All right, cool. You don't need me anymore. You just left the nest. You're out of the nest. Don't come back to the nest. You're out of the nest. You're out of the nest. But I do appreciate all the people that have my back. Jesse Naylor, Eric Crocker, a lot of people. Um, Coach Noah Johnson. Iggy, for what it's worth, you know I'm you, that way too. You, you know my wife. Iggy, I've my cut wife. a lot of people. I've cut a lot of people out of my life. So is my wife. And two of you, you guys are more brutal than me. Like as this was going on, and people would would say something, both of you be looking at me like, "What do you think of that? What do you think of that?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah that's pretty fucked up. I don't like it." <laughs> so yeah, I guess there are people learning about the cones. Not that nice. But hold on. We're nice to each other. We are. We have if a you're very in. family and actually yeah. you and I are sensitive yeah. and extremely loyal, but you got to come through the door and there's a guard at the door. That's right. That's right. And I think I, my guard can be a little lax. So sometimes I got to kick a bunch of people out at once. Sorry. <laughs> Noe G. Cupania says I'm jealous of Grant because he can be around the Niners all the time and I can't LOL. You cool, Grant. Keep it going. That's a fair. That's a fair reason to be jealous of me. The problem with sports media, says the booze bear, is all the clickbait, unbelievable trade articles that no team would make. Grant is pretty fair, in my opinion. Love from Petaluma. I like Petaluma. Thank you, the booze bear. James Self says, just an observation, but you're Jewish. Is your wife and father? Dad's Jewish. My wife is Indian. She's not Jewish, but we do have a mezuzah outside our house, so that's cool. Iggy had a bar mitzvah. Had I was bar mitzvah. 
Temple Sinai in Oakland. Temple Sinai. Uh, Jimmy Gutierrez says, Grant, we haven't heard much on Mosley. Got any intakes on him? Oh, the corner? He's been the Niners' best corner this offseason. Traverius Ward got hurt pretty early. Mosley is very uh, consistent and good, and I think they should check him out in the slot. The Mech says, I have decided you are my friend, like it or not. <laughs> Thanks, the Mech. I appreciate it. Sean Shepard says, Johnny Carson had a sidekick. McAfee has about six guys on the show as sidekicks, and they aren't funny. I just want to know how he stands on his hands the whole show talking out of his butt, just saying. Why is he standing up? He's just so excited. Who's that? What he's talking about? McAfee? McAfee. <laughs> Kaliki is really worked up. Yeah, he can't even sit down. He's got ants in his pants. Kaliki Carroll says, appreciate the honest reporting all the time. It's refreshing. P.S. I'm your friend. Glad you're doing well. Keep holding the Niners honest. I will. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Those are all the comments. Those are our topics for the day. That's our show. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed it, and I felt you got your yayas out. You was using the f word a lot at the end. I was holding back, but then you egged me on, and I'm fine. Okay, I'll say it. Oh, it's my fault. No, it's true. And I feel like the people that did that, they know, they they knew it was going to happen. You made a choice. Do I want to be Grant's friend, or do I want to keep it real and distance myself from Grant? A lot of people made the choice. You know, a lot of people were more loyal to the platform that they had, that I helped them create. And, you know, they don't want to be. They don't want Niner fans and players mad at them too. Okay, good. Well, Niner fans and players are going to be mad at me periodically, like every 12 months or so. If you can't take the heat, then you're not my friend. Sorry. Because it's come, it's part of being my friend. <laughs> comes with it. That's right. If it they associate with, with you. Yeah, pretty much. My wife's down. She, she doesn't. If Javon Kinlaw or, or Eric Armstead or J George Kittle gets mad at me, my wife's not like, you know, that, that's the. Kittle's mad at you? That's it. <laughs> it's fucking over. That's, I mean, that wouldn't happen. So I, those are the kind of people I think you, if you don't have friends like that in your life, you should get those kind of friends. You shouldn't settle for any people less than that. You know, if, when, if your wife ever got angry, I'd break down in tears. She, she, she would scare me. Yeah. She, she scared angry. me too. She's, well, I gotta you tell you, the last thing I want to say before we leave today, but, oh, do this, do this thing, do this. He said I cut ties with Austin Rivers. I don't know what he's talking about. What are you talking about? Iggy, you gotta do something about that fuse box. It's terrible. I promise. The next time I go live, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a rug and art, and it's gonna be better. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make money. I buying a house was tough. Moving into the house takes forever. Sometimes you're like, oh, I want to get this sofa. It's really nice, and they're like, okay, I'll ring you up. Oh, is it okay if we deliver it in three months? No, it's not fucking okay. Three months. <laughs> I gotta live in this fucking house. What are you talking about? So yeah, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Could I talk a little bit more about the fuse box? Sure. The fuse box is next to the pipe, to the yeah, water yeah. pipe. You good. can't do nothing about the water pipe. I got no. it. Yeah. But the, it makes it look like you're in the boiler room. You well, know, I got it in the boiler room. <laughs> so true. I think you want you want to at the fuse box at the very least. Yeah. Okay, I'll you, I promise. Will you come over in the next week and fix my printer? Yes, I will. And you're coming over for dinner tonight. I'll be there at five thirty. All right, I'm gonna go. Clean hey, the Warriors! It would be a good idea for them to win. They might want to win the game. They might want to win this game. They might want to win this game. Draymond Green, would he have four points the last game? He two. might want to go for eight. Two? I thought maybe, he had two. Maybe, maybe he, he gets two later. Seven. All, right. All right, I love right. you. Love you too. I'll call you in a minute. Okay.